Chapter Ten of *The Captain of the Nine by William Heiliger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, the first clue. The coach, the captain, and Dixon kept staring at the telegram in a despairing way. Some of the fellows who tried for the nine as catchers, Dixon suggested, might possibly fill in. Hopeless," said the coach. "They'd be frightened stiff every time they took a peep at the stands." I know," said Dixon. Footsteps sounded on the stairs. The coach sprang over and softly closed the door. A knock sounded. Then somebody pushed at the door, but did not budge Jenkins's knee. After that, Kaufman's voice went complainingly down the hall. "We must get out of here," said Jenkins. "If anybody should come in, they'd guess that Redway had left. Look at the room." "We can't leave the door open," said the captain. "Somebody would be sure to walk in." "How can we lock it?" demanded Jenkins. "We can't nail the door." "Each student is given two keys," suggested Dixon. "One of the keys might be in here." They searched through the room. Finally, Jenkins found a key on a nail in the closet. It worked the lock of the door. They put out the light that Redway, in his hurry, had left burning. Waited until the hall was quiet, and then stepped outside and locked the door. "What now?" asked Bartley. "I want time to figure this out," the coach replied. "Your room will do." They went upstairs. As they came in, Kennedy dropped his mandolin and sprang from a chair. "What's wrong?" he demanded. "Redway has left town," answered Dixon. "I don't believe it." The big pitcher flared. Redway wouldn't skip and leave us in a hole. It isn't that," said Jenkins. The coach took the telegram from his pocket and passed it to Kennedy. The big pitcher's mouth hung open as he read. This means he began thickly. We know what it means," Jenkins broke in. "What can we do?" Kennedy began to automatically pound his left fist as though it were a big mitt. I used to catch behind a bat," he said half aloud. The coach was all attention. How long ago, Kennedy? About. Five years? No, I guess it was about four years ago. No use. Five years without practice, you'd be a joke. They'd steal bases as fast as they got on. I'm willing to try," the pitcher offered. Nobody answered. The little clock in the room ticked with the clamor of pounding hammers. If the nine hears that Redway is gone, it will go to pieces," said Jenkins at last. Without Redway, we're out of it anyway. But I never give up until I'm whipped. Well," demanded Bartley. Four of us know what has happened. There is no reason why five should know it. He might have told some of the fellows. Kennedy began, and the coach raised a silencing hand. Listen. They strained their ears. The noise from the rooms of Winslow Hall, with here and there a note from the outside, was all that came to their ears. If Redway had said anything, Jenkins announced, the campus would be howling with excitement by this time. I must dig up a catcher somewhere. If Redway's father is better, the boy will hurry back for the game. I'm sure of that much. How long does it take Redway to reach home? Bartley asked. About eight hours. He changes at Arden. But even if he does come back, don't I know it? Cried Jenkins. Sixteen hours traveling. He'd play like a fish. Not one of the boys smiled at the comparison. Bartley dropped into a chair and stared out at the campus. Now it was calm and peaceful. Another day and a half, and he could picture the nine, humiliated, defeated, coming sorrowfully up the dormitory steps. I want the pitchers out early tomorrow," growled the coach. "And early doesn't mean eleven o'clock. I'm going to get out every fellow who thinks he can catch anything from a baseball to a cold and give him a trial. Will you try me behind the bat?" Kennedy asked. "I'd try a stuffed owl," snapped Jenkins, and bolted from the room. Dixon, after the coach was gone, shifted uneasily from foot to foot. He was new to school life, and a calamity like this left him helpless. "If I can do anything," he began lamely. "Nothing." Bartley tried hard to smile. Unless you can catch, I, I can't even play second base," 
the boy blurted and backed awkwardly from the room. Bartley, alone with his roommate, did not try now to hide his grief. "'I tried to get together a winning nine, he groaned. Kennedy was staring at the slip of yellow paper that Jenkins had left behind. "'Did you ever get a telegram, Dick?' he asked. "'Once,' answered the captain, without any interest. "'Don't they fill in these little squares up near the top with numbers, and whether it's paid or not, and all that?' "'I think so. Why?' "'It isn't filled in on this telegram.' Bartley, interested now, crossed the room and looked over Kennedy's shoulder. "'And the handwriting is different,' he said at last. "'All the telegrams I ever saw had big round loops on the G's and the Y's.' Kennedy thrust the telegram into his pocket. This looks funny to me, he said. I'm going to investigate. Come along. They crossed the campus and turned toward the railroad station. All telegrams came over the railroad's wires, and a twelve-year-old boy served as the only messenger. Sitting outdoors on a bench, he was kicking his heels against the station wall as they approached. He followed them in with interest, and with not a little show of awe. Kennedy laid the slip of yellow paper before the man who served as station agent and general telegrapher. Where did that telegram come from? he asked. Then he caught himself. "'If you will please tell me.' "'That isn't a telegram,' said the man. "'Then what is it?' "'That's a message.' The boys stared at each other blankly. This was something they couldn't understand. "'Didn't that come from this office?' Bartley asked. "'Certainly.' "'But—' "'Now look here,' said the man. "'A telegram comes in over the wires. A message does not. That's a message.' "'Well, how did it get here?' began Kennedy excitedly. The telegraph sounder clicked sharply. The man went to his desk, sat down, and took the telegram. The captain and the big pitcher walked out into the darkness. "'I knew there was something wrong,' Kennedy cried. "'If it didn't come over the wires, it couldn't have come from Redway's mother. It's a trick to get him out of the way!' They could now sense that much. However, they were only boys, and the telegraph business was Greek to them. How had it been done? The telegraph key had ceased clicking. Kennedy started back for the office. "'I'll ask him to tell me all about it,' he called. "'He won't,' said Bartley. "'They never tell. My father told me that. He had some trouble with the company.' Kennedy came back discouraged. While they stood there wondering what to do next, the messenger boy came out of the office and advanced toward them. "'Ain't you Bartley the St. Mary's pitcher?' he asked. "'I am,' answered the captain. "'Are you going to pitch against Rockton? I seen you last year.' Kennedy, filled with a sudden hope, pounced on the boy. "'Did you take a message to a Mr. Redway?' the big pitcher demanded. The boy nodded. "'Sure, tonight.' Where did it come from? A fellow wrote it. In there? cried Kennedy. Sure. You're positive of that? Sure. Didn't I see him? Kennedy was almost dancing, but still Bartley felt that there might possibly be some mistake. Did you see what was in the message? he asked. Sure. I watched the fellow write it. The captain wet his lips. What was it? Something about his pop being sick and— Was Mellon with us when we went to St. Mary's Field tonight? demanded Kennedy suddenly. His answer was the patter of flying feet. Bartley was running at full speed back toward the campus. End of chapter 10